Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself, Pete, here, and we got the ever dapper Doug with us. Your dapper Doug man. <laughs> Hello, everyone. How we all doing tonight? I told Doug that this is going up on YouTube, and Doug was like, "Do I have to wear like a tux?" I was like, "Of course." And apparently, he literally thought I meant it. So, good job, Doug. Hey, you know what? <laughs> now I can say I am the classiest-looking person you've ever had on the show. And I'm gonna scoop this aside because my fellow Bayou will notice that I bust out all the Bayou again. Because, Doug, you are putting on a tournament that I am going to, my friend. Woo! I'm excited to see you down here. It's going to be awesome. It is the Lone Star Fowdown Malifaux GT. It's a bit of a mouthful to yeah, say sometimes, but, you know, I've got it, you know, it, locked It's in. only a couple, it's like, what, two and a half, three weeks away, maybe? Um, I guess that would be one, two, three weekend, uh, three weekends away. So, three weekends from now. Crazy. Uh, the, uh, casino brawl will be going on. Ooh, I should bring the, the tux for the casino brawl. To your casino brawl. Tux for the casino <laughs> brawl, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Those of you that are listening to the podcast, <laughs> you're missing out on Doug actually wearing a tux. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll I, see, we'll see how long that lasts. Well, it is, it is a, uh, silly <laughs> bit and it is a little bit warm because I am still in Texas, but you know what? I'm committed to this. Hell with it. And as far as you can tell... <laughs> I'm wearing pants, but you know, I might not. Be you don't wearing, know. We, you do not know if I'm wearing pants or not. Could be doing a tube and we never know. I could totally be Winnie the Poohing it. <laughs> yeah, but the main thing I wanted to get, because people know that if listening to the podcast, we've definitely plugged your tournament. We've had people from your meta plug it. It's been awesome. But you actually released the pool. So what we're going to do is you and I are actually going to sit down. We're going to talk about the pool for the main tournament. Uh, we can talk about the other smaller events you have going on because you do have a couple uh, going with it. You did release this packet on Top Doug Design. Uh, is it dot com? Uh, it is topdougdesign.com slash events. Uh, so yep. Top Doug Design, that's uh, where I do my 3D designs through. So I sell, you know, uh, 3D printable designs through there. Uh, working on getting print-on-demand up and running. But as I'm, you know, set up as an LLC through that, it just seemed like kind of the natural way to make sure I'm... I set up and doing the proper due diligence as far yep. as getting a, a major tournament going here. And ideally, you know, year over year, it'll get bigger and bigger and uh, become, you know, a really big event. That's the goal. Yeah, I think that's a great... And, and honestly, Texas is a great location. You guys have a lot of airport hubs. Yep. Uh, really easy to get down to. Uh, I mean, I, I got hooked up with a lot of the stuff, so that's how I decided I was going to come from, hopefully, from Vegas to Houston. <laughs> I got... I hope... So I'm flying into Dallas. I hope that connects. If it does, great. If not, 
Hopefully I make it. If, if it doesn't connect, we'll yell at the guys up and down who are driving down and say, hey, go grab him from the airport. Yeah, go to Vegas. Go pick him up. But we're going to talk about mainly when people are putting on these events because, you know, people are throwing actual in-person events. And even if you're not, even if you're throwing like a vassal tournament, uh, it's still definitely good to talk with people who are used to putting pools together. Mm-hmm. And Doug, I know you've worked with, you know, the Las Vegas Open. I know you work with your locals yep. to put pools together. So definitely interested to hear not only how you put this packet together, but also how you what you're generally trying to do when you create a pool of uh, strats and schemes for people. So okay. that's kind of our main goal today. But before we get into that, make sure that you guys are checking us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe. When we get to a thousand, we'll go ahead and give away either a core box of your choice or a title box of your choice. And most of the titles are almost all out. They're almost all out in the wild. We're just waiting on, I think, October, and I think they're all out. I, that, that, that sounds right. right. That sounds right. I mean, I'm still waiting on my cold snap box to come in because mm-hmm. my lo- my local shop has ordered that for me. I had to resist the urge of buying, just grabbing one off the shelf at uh, oh, title box. Your choice. I tell you what, and I even have, I have Maxine 2, because obviously I had to get Maxine 2 with this box. Uh, still on the sprue. You want to know, if somebody randomly wants it, just hit me up in some kind of social, you know, setting, media, and I, I'll give it to you. I'm never going to play Explorers with Maxine, so you can have her if somebody really just wants her. Obviously, Bo's my boy, so he's staying in the bayou. Oh, God, Bo. Uh, I, I, I played <laughs> against him uh, twice during Nova, and God, that guy's annoying. That's the thing about him. He's just annoying. He locks down strats and schemes. He kind of he's like a mini hodgepodge. Emissary. He's a little pain in the ass. That uh, if you don't deal with him, he's going to be a thorn in your problems. side. You have yeah. to deal with him. But dealing with that that two inch engagement range is a yeah, that's pain in the ass. Like why? Like like he doesn't even have a fishing pole. Like I know that's supposed to be the attack. But he's just like holding up a map like lost. So you just need to put a fishing I, pole on the base. I guess. Or, no, he's got one of those, uh, you know, I saw this on, you know, late night television one time, that a pocket fishing pole where, like, it extends the telescoping fishing pole. (laughs) Okay. Totally has that. Obviously. Yeah, and then make sure you're checking us out on, uh, you can see us on Instagram. That's where we post a lot of these pictures of different paint projects that I've been working on, you know, custom. uh, Is that your Mecha Mima? That's my Mecha Mima until she comes out in October, so... Shit, we'll you see, should just uh, keep running that instead of I, other honest, Mecha Honestly, that's I am, I but I need the, the Rock Hopper. I hate the, I hate the Calypso. I know that. I hate Calypso, too. I literally just bought Calypso just so I could rip it apart for Maw. That's as the only reason I did it. Uh, Calypso is evil. Evil, evil machine. Evil. Evil machine. Yep, and you can also see those posts on Twitter. I repost a lot of stuff on Twitter as well. And then finally, don't forget to, if you want to support us directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash ragebitwire, where you support us a little as a dollar and that allows us to do this video and audio and different things that we put up on youtube and all the other places so thanks for our patrons who are awesome you guys rock so doug real quick so you you released the schedule for the events and before we get into the strats and schemes for the main tournament and how as a to you kind of put that together and what you're looking at each round uh you want to talk about some of these kind of smaller events because i don't know if i'm familiar with your your lingo here with it looks like there's a bonanza brawl on Friday. Yep. And then there's a henchman hardcore, which I think most people know. But I'll let you talk about those two events just so you can let people know how they're going to run. Yeah. So uh, the uh, bonanza brawl 
that is a fun take. It's a little bit of a different take on the all-out brawl. Uh, other Doug. Uh, so there's Doug, I'm Doug Bowman. There's Doug Broman, who's with the uh, steam-powered scoundrels. And yes, people confuse our names constantly. It's hilarious. it's pretty close, Doug. I mean, it makes sense. It, uh, oh, understandably. And the other thing is that, like, my email and you're, address... And you're, both, and you're both pretty vocal in the community. We're, we're so vocal that in the also community. Can... We're nice guys. We're, you know, organizers as opposed to guys who are, you know, being the hyper-competitive dudes. But you wear a tux. I wear, you know, I wear a tux <laughs> to um, things like this because I'm a classy gentleman. Classy kind of dude. And you know what? Uh, Doug Broman, if you don't wear a tux... Um, you know what? You're you're not on my level. Challenge accepted. I just, I just threw the uh, the gauntlet. <laughs> the gauntlet. I threw the gauntlet down. The uh, silken gauntlet. Actually, probably polyester, <laughs> some shit like that. It was my hey, catering. You know, I, I'm I'm impressed you had it because honestly, I I have a like I have a you know a jacket and a tie, but I don't have I don't have tuxedo bits laying around, so that's impressive. Oh, even this is actually it's not just a tux; it's a tails coach tux. Ooh, yes. fan, even fancier. I, I, it's like some Jeeves shit. I worked in catering when I first moved to Chicago mm-hmm. back in the day, so. Nice. So that sort of things, but yeah. So Bonanza Brawl is a take on the Enforcer Brawl, but instead of just you know, hey, we're gonna you know murder the crap out of each other. There's also these two little loot piles there, which you interact with the loot piles. You get upgrades added onto you there. So okay. there was an old version of this back in second edition where it used the um, upgrade deck from the campaign. And so they turned it into a version of that with the uh, Enforcer Brawl. Well, then uh, Doug and the other Steam Powered Scoundrels went and updated this for third edition, have the uh, deck of cards. And um, I ran, the first time I ran it, I ran it at uh, LVO, was a smashing success. And nice. then uh, other Doug and I actually ran it for uh, Weird at uh, Gen Con this year. And people had a blast playing it. So what's the diff? So, are you just running an enforcer, or do you have a small crew with your enforcers? So it is one model. Any, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this is like a bra- this is like a straight oh, yeah, brawl. Oh yeah, it's straight up brawl. And the uh, the packet's got the full rules in there. Um, so it's any uh, non master. So you can bring a henchman, but of cost solst- uh, uh, cost ten or less, and you cannot bring upgrades. Now, you're going to be getting upgrades from these loot decks, and they are full of absolute shenanigans. Like, you're going to end (laughs) up with, uh, you know, the mouth of a child with, like, a Gatling gun. It's... it's... Okay, so these aren't, like, normal upgrades we have currently in the game. This is, like, some straight-up just nonsense. And you can actually get the the deck through uh, DriveThruRPG, through the uh, weird shop on DriveThruRPG. They loved what Doug had done so much because nice. they went and made it official. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It was really cool to see them sh- uh, weird showing some love to the work that the community had done. And so you're getting these uh, you get these upgrades from the loot piles. I actually have got you know little um, slot machines because it's actually I I have casino terrain, so I put it in the casino. Oh, nice! Because it's delightful and amazing. So, could I bring, like, Macho Roja and, like, throw casino machines at people, like the slots? Well, we, we, you can he bring Macho Roja, you know. Uh, I think, wait, can he bring any, throw any terrain or just destructible? Or terrain I don't know. Or, I, would, I, I don't just know. think, be I just think it should be just, like, you can just chuck it. 
Just chuck things like around. Like some straight up some straight up war machine rules where it's like you're just throwing stuff at each other. You know what? We, we, if, if it's Rancho Roja hucking um, uh, slot machines around, well, I, I might allow that. Maybe we can give him like a gun attack, you know? We could like make a custom stat line for it. He has to be within two inches of a slot machine and he can just chuck it at people. Well, he does have that ability to smash people with uh, markers or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so... It's uh, ridiculous shenanigans, and so you'll get, um, obviously, points for, you know, hurting and killing other people. Uh, they're, they're models, not actual people. Uh, I do not encourage <laughs> violence against my players. That is frowned upon. Fair. <laughs> but, so, you um, you get points for uh, damaging uh, other models. You also get points, uh, you get more points if they are of a cost higher than you. Ooh. So, if you go That's that full incentive. 10 soul stones, you know, yeah, you're... 10 cost model but now you're kind of a target and you're never going to get that benefit this almost sounds like some like hunger game stuff where people are like rushing to the loot pile and then just beating each other up pretty much you get some hunger game stuff going on there and then after that you can run away you can score off of dropping (laughs) scheme markers um so yeah the full rules are in the player packet it is it's delightful shenanigans there's no way to take it horribly seriously yeah. Because it just will, it'll throw shenanigans in your face, and it's a good thing to start out on Friday night. Uh, How many people do you have playing on one board? So, generally, I found that keeping uh, it kept at six people per table that sounds right. works out the best. The plan is to do, you know, two rounds of this, where, you know, hey, we take, you know, as many, I've got three casino tables, uh... And we'll put we'll evenly distribute them out there, and then first round play through that. Second round, the top people from that table will play for you know the uh, the title of being the most awesome casino <laughs> brawler there. Uh, let's see here. If I was gonna pick an enforcer, you know, or hen- enforcer, <laughs> henchman, or minion, I c- any I could, but I, yeah. I do like enforcers though. So I think if I was gonna go with one, just looking at the Bayou nonsense that I have. Sitting in front of me, dude. I, I tell you who I would go with. I would go with my boy right here, the old Raphael Lacroix. Okay, the- dude. Dude is a beat stick. He's decently hard to kill, and he can he can put it out there. I love to uh, throw the dinosaur into it because you know he's, that doesn't seem fair. He's he's <laughs> shenanigansy, but I am not going to say what the best model that consistently wins at this is. Um, you can listen to the Steam Powered Scoundrels. They will tell you what it is and what won at Gen Con, but it is in Bayou. And that's hmm. as much as I'm going to say with that, because I want people to just play what the hell they want to, because that's more fun. Well, I think that's what you do in, in those types of events. You're like, man, I love this Enforcer. Honestly, it's probably between Raphael or Burt Jebson, you know. I do Burt Jebson Bert. is a wet paper towel when it comes to taking damage. <laughs> But he's fun. But if you die, you come back. So it's oh, okay. yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no permanent death. So you die. You get, a res- you get a respawn. You get a respawn, and you also drop a pile of loot. <laughs> it's straight up some first-person shooter, you know, shenanigans. You just drop that yeah, pile of awesome. loot. Other people go get your loot because, like, I want like that the, Gatling uh, gun you were rocking. It's like the old Diablo two game where when you died, you just dropped all your crap, and you had to go find your body again. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's right in the middle of all the monsters. Because <laughs> of course it is. Of course, of course. Um, 
So yeah, that sounds like a blast. And is the henchman hardcore? Is this like your traditional just henchman hardcore type deal? Traditional henchman hardcore. You know, your thirty soul stones, uh, four models, no more, no less. Your uh, master counts. Uh, you pay for your master. You don't get uh, the effigy for free. You ignore the ability with the uh, effigy sure. where you get it for free if it's a henchman leg crew. Um, action leaders have a two uh, action limits and um, smaller hand size. You know, wedge deployment, plant explosives, vendetta, and assassinate can score nice. uh, plant explosives on the first turn. So yeah, so it's your standard henchman hardcore, and uh, yeah, it's it's lots of fun. I love henchman hardcore. It is always such a you see just weird combos in it. And you know, not only that, Doug. Here's the thing, right? <laughs> so the best part about all this, and I've been to tournaments that we've done similar things where. We've done a tournament throughout the day, and then we have kind of like games at the end of it. Some some people like open play, other people like this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the best part about this, and this is if you are, you know, an adult of age, drinking the hell out of, you know, whatever. I, I mean, do they only serve beer there? Or are they uh, just beer? The beer and wine. They also have uh, some mead as well. So beer, okay. wine, mead. That's what their uh, license is. But yeah. The, uh, How about a good table? Guinness? Can I get a good Guinness there? They do not have Guinness. Most of the beers ah. they've got, uh, most of the beers they've got there, are, uh, they try to uh, stock local Texas beers. Oh, great! So That's there's awesome. a lot of really good beer. In so Texas. I, I was a little disappointed there. I was like, uh, it's going to be like a Miller Light or something. No, no, no. <laughs> no they do have uh, some light beer there as well. No offense to you but. people who love your light beers. I am not one of them. I'm a heavy guy. No, uh, you know what? I, I like to say, uh, well, can I curse on here? I'd like to double check first. Yeah, I think you can. Okay, right? I just want to make sure. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get you like explicit content. No more. You're I, kicked off I, the platform. Doug, also, I edit my stuff <laughs> a lot. so. Okay, here we go. Well, you know what they say about um, light beer? It's like sex in a canoe. Fucking close to water. It's true. Uh, I, for I can one, see that. I'm enjoying a nice, you know, local Texas beer right there. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, when my uh, when my 60 year old mother drinks, you know, Michelob Light or whatever she drinks, I'm just like, oh, good. I'm glad you're drinking water. Keep me hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> Got to hydrate. It's good. Exactly. You know, it, that that beer was, as my father-in-law says, yeah, Michelob Ultra. It at one point was in the same room as a beer. Yeah, you know, so at one point, before they put them on their own separate separate paths. So, I I was I was happy, Doug. You got you got the your package sweet, man. You got the uh, for the day one and two. You have it split up. You have the QR codes already on there. So if you had this printed off, you could scan it right into your phone. Prevents you from having to sit there for like ten minutes, saving them yourself. Uh, I like how you got the score sheet set up. Where, where'd you get that design? Or is that something you just kind of created over time? So the design was originally something that uh, Craig Shipman had made for the USFO tour. Oh, nice. And that, that and he'd had it with, you know, the strategy And you stole teams. it. Uh, oh, well, he put it out. It's like, hey, yeah. here, use this. <laughs> and then Craig got busy with life and everything. And so I went and then I updated, you know, with each gaining grounds. Uh, sure. I've put it out there on the uh, US Tour uh, Facebook page. So it's available there. Where uh, all of these are actually um, 
the one in this packet is not uh, editable, but I actually have got it where it's you know little drop downs for other tournament organizers, so they can just go in there and it's got all of the um, current gaining grounds, tracks and schemes in there, and it's just you know click 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 click, and it gets set up there. Nice. Now the um, QR codes I generate those in the app, then you know take a screenshot of them and throw them up onto it, but yep. It works out very conveniently. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely does. Um, so, looking at this in general, when you kind of create a pool, and we're not getting into these quite yet. Okay. But when you're sitting down and you're making a tournament, what are you trying to do with these pools? Are there different things you're trying to do each round? Are you trying to, like, build up to a certain type of, you know, matchup? Like, like what, what's your mindset when you're building this stuff? So I actually take uh, building strategy and scheme pools very seriously. That um, oh, yeah. I don't just go, you know, random, random, random. These are the three pools. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people. And not, nothing wrong if you do that. It Well, you can do that. You do it how you want. The way I work with it is that there are so your lo, small local three round tournaments. That means there's going to be 15 schemes across the day. There are 13 schemes in you know the gaining ground. You know one through 13. So every single one of those should come up at least once, and two of them should come up twice. So everything needs to come up once, and uh, a scheme should never come up more than twice in a three round tournament. Okay. Five round tournament. That's twenty five. So you've got uh, so every single scheme should come up at least twice, except for one. I mean that that works, and that really I think that avoids accidentally creating favoritism for a type of crew. Well, so I was talking to uh, like Brian and Andre uh, when they were doing the um, Vassal World Series. And there's like, oh yeah, everyone's complaining that Barkus is horrible and overpowered. I'm like, well, he's strong, but he's not that. I'm like, what are people doing here? It's like, it's like oh, and so he showed me the Stratton scheme pool, and, and you're a, like, assassinate. Of well, assassinate came up, um, far more often than it should have. I don't remember the. I don't want to quote it wrong. and say, oh yeah, it came up five times. No, it came up more times than it should have over the number of rounds it should be. I, I will say there is some flexibility, and I've done this for local tournaments where I I have literally told people, I'm like, I want this to be a bloodbath. Assassinate is in every pool, and if you get it, you get extra raffle tickets. So I actually was trying to incentivize people to go and murder masters, and it created some really fun, you know, experiences in those games where people were really headhunting. Well, but it, you don't, that's, if you're like going saying, with, it, with that plan. Exactly. Yeah. And when I am doing it, I try to go with the, okay, I'm going balanced across the board here. Especially the bigger the tournament is, exactly. I feel like the more balanced you want it to be. And I mean, what I actually do is, I mean, because this is where I sit when I, uh, you know, right here in my office is where I sit when I make it up. I have, you know, a fate deck here where it's still split between the suits. And so nice. I will actually, you know, deal out deal out the pools. So like if it's a three round tournament, I'll deal them out and then de- uh, pull out two from uh, the uh, another suit and deal those in, and then take a look at the pools, make sure there's not overlaps. Uh, 
So this is how serious I get about it. I've actually got a spreadsheet where I track. <laughs> oh, the, the no, that's this great. This is uh, going deep nerd on this here. Is that I've got a spreadsheet where I track month to month all of the the distribution of strategies and schemes for the for the local lone uh, Lone Star tournaments. Yeah, and that that's definitely important because. Like, like we were just saying, it, if you aren't tracking that stuff, it's easy to kind of regurgitate the same pools or fall into a rut. And it, it really is something where, like, I think Chris and I were going to a tournament about every other month at least. I mean, I know you guys run it about once a month. Mm-hmm. But we we went to these tournaments, and every tournament round three was symbols of authority. Every, every, like, four tournaments in a row. And... I know it was probably randomized, but it was just, and it was great for me because I play Zip, so I was like, "Sweet, this is like taking it home." Yep. But yeah, so uh, I mean, I get uh, when I'm tracking it across month to month, I can then see, okay, so we've had you know this one um, a strategy three months in a row. So like, if if I'm I have pulled up here my uh, local tourney thing, we just had a local tourney here in uh, Houston on last weekend. So, F, looking at my sheet here, covert operations have been in the pool three months in a row. It means covert so operations that one is out. not gonna be in that. Um, I also do that with the, I track the deployments. Because, nice. now, I'm of the opinion that standard deployment should always be at least one. Because it's standard, honestly. It, <laughs> it's in the name. Well, it's in the name, but also it, it's the most balanced of the deployments. It's that um, Wedge uh, definitely favors a strong alpha strike. So does Flank, because you're pretty damn close together with that. Yeah. Corner lets kind of a slow burn crew get up and running. Um, and so, but it also then makes stuff where like, oh, breakthrough on corner deployment is damn near impossible for most crews to score. But the crews who can score it, it's damn near impossible to deny them it. Yeah, I was going to say, corner breakthrough, I'm all about, like I said, I'll run zip most time when I see something like that, or run maw, because she's also pretty fast. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, I know that you're coming out of your deployment, and nothing's going to be left in that little tiny bubble. So, literally, I just have to, like, fly a skeeter or fly something that way, and if you don't kill it, that's just two points easy. Yep, and so it's the, that's damn near impossible to score. But then there's a lot of other crews where they're going to struggle to get that model, not only, you know, all the way to your deployment zone in time to score the first point of it, but then do that and get, you know, three more schemes down to score that second point. Yep. And so it's the crews that can do it can do it almost uncontested. The crews that can't do it, it's you're like, well, that's a dead scheme to me. How do you feel about, and talking about corner, because we're kind of talking mm-hmm. about strats and schemes that don't work well with deployment now i i've heard a couple of people i haven't played corner uh carve a path but i've heard it, it can be pretty rough especially on some boards because you got to spend so many ap's just to get it going yeah um, um have you seen that i've played into it and it wasn't awful but i mean it ends up being a little bit more low low scoring uh mm-hmm. you're also kind of limited on where you can put the markers because it's not only 10 inches from the line yeah. but they have to be 10 inches from each other so it's going to be hard to set your uh, crew up to be able to go and kick both of the uh, path markers right kick away. Kick the can. Yeah, kick in the can. And so it's sort of that, 
Yeah. Now, if it happens to come up, I'm not going to, you know, say no on that, but it's the, all right, this might be, like I said before, the crews that can do that can do it very well. The crews that can't are going to struggle with it. And so, so it's keeping balance from month to yeah. month to month. And looking at as you kind of build up, are you the kind of person who maybe you'll throw a standard deployment in round one or two and maybe you make a more challenging, you know, pool for round three? Like, how do you think about that as you go through a tournament, especially we're talking about a two day tournament. So how do you kind of plan out what you want it to progress as we go through this tournament? So when it comes to five day tournaments, I do like to put a standard deployment round one just tends to be what I do. I mean, I could probably go pull up my uh, LVO packets too, and it's yeah. probably standard deployment round one. Uh, I like to see um, round one, especially in a five-day tournament, because, you know, it's going to be r a random mix. The yep. uh, You could have the best player in the tournament playing against someone who's played three games of Malifaux ever. Yeah. You never know. And th that's the way it should be. Um I also I am of the opinion that people from the same meta who play against each other all the time should Shouldn't not be paired one. up round one. That's why. So it's one of the reasons I still have to use. So I use best coast pairings to make the um, matchups round one, and then I put everything into long shanks because I so, I like the long shanks interface. But yeah. best coast pairings has got the option to uh, say this person's on this club. Which then I just put that as the, this is, you know, where they came from. So that you don't drive I, I will 17 say with that, hours Doug, and then, you know, play the same guy you play against all the time. Yeah, I, I will say that Longshanks does have a feature for that. Um, it just, it depends. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it depends on whether you and your 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 buddies have that entered. Like, I know I, I don't want to play. I think you can have up to three, um, I forget what it's called. It's like preferred opponent, not preferred opponents, like... Mm -hmm local opponents or something like that. But anyways, um, you, you basically do three people. And if they confirm like, yeah, we play all the time that way in long shanks, then you can have it where, yeah, I don't want preferred, you know, or common local opponents to play this round. So it is in there, but that's only if people are using it. And a lot of people don't use that because I, I do feel like more people are using long shanks, yep. which I'm happy to see because the data is starting to become more consistent on it, which is good to see. Excuse me, burping there. Uh, too mm. much. Yeah, so <laughs> I love the interface for Longshanks. Um, but when it comes to the putting something onto players, part of it is the, yeah, I don't want to do, on, I don't want to put burden on them. But also it's the, hey, I more than uh, usually almost every single tournament, I am putting someone to the Longshanks for the first time ever. Yeah. And they may have been playing locally a whole bunch, but it's their first time they were able to make it out to a tournament. Yep. And so that's requiring doing the friends in there is requiring the foresight. The thing is also having their friends say, hey, I don't want to play against this guy or this guy. Well, they might not be from the same meta. They can ultimately yeah. potentially game the system. Now, yeah, I mean, it's only round one, though. Only round one, but I would prefer to just, you know, I'll t uh, I, I like to take that, that um, burden on myself to make sure, sure. that it, they don't get paired up. And I, I've talked hey, this I out. I appreciate that. I've talked this out with the, uh, I've chatted with both the long, guys who do long shanks. I've chatted with the guys who do best coast pairings. And ultimately, neither of them does 
100% of what I want them to do from a sure. tournament software. That best goes pairings, that first round one pairing, because I can put in their, uh, you know, their club name, um, mm. ends up being, you know, the best way to do it. Because then I say, okay, these guys are from Texas. These guys are from Michigan. These guys are yep. from California. And then they don't play against each other. Yep. And because, honest, I've done the whole drive 17 hours to a tournament to be paired off against someone who I play on a regular basis. And it yeah. sucks. Yep, and uh, I know you played some Texas boys when you went to Nova, but but that wasn't you didn't get them. Yeah, exactly. And so, actually, so um, I assisted uh, Jeff on doing the setup there because he wasn't as familiar with Longshanks as I was. So I helped sure. him get set up in Longshanks and do the BCP because you know you can do those random pairings, and then the thing that Longshanks does that I really enjoy is that it can say avoid the same table. Yeah. If at all possible. Now, it doesn't always work. Eventually, with enough players, you yeah, will... Yeah, and, and the cool thing about Longshanks is it, uh, it... I think it also flags it. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll flag it color-based. Like, I think it's green, yellow, and red. Yeah. So, red's like, hey, both these players have played on this table, or they've already played each other. So, it gives you warnings when something's not set up ideally. Right. And so, I like that. Uh, I also enjoy that Longshanks is browser-based. Um, yeah. The fact that, uh, so Best Coast Pairings, uh, it's only app-based. I have to enter that on my phone mm. or on a tablet, but my uh, tablet died. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll just do this on my laptop now. And it's like, I can't do this on my laptop. Oh. Well, fuck. I mean, I, I you know, entering, you yeah, know. Yeah, I always a, bring a laptop. Entering, you know, shit, entering 10 people's name for a small local tournament oh, like yeah. this. Yeah. I mean. Take, it, it, it'll take you double the time. Exactly. It's supposed to go. Yep. I mean, you know, I back in the day, I still had to take a typing course on a typewriter. <laughs> so I had to, you know, learn oh, how to do that. I know, dating man. myself there a little bit there. I had to take a typing oh. class, but it, it was on an actual computer, mm. Doug. Man, you are you got some uh, some of that old tech. Either that or it was just a crappy typing room, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe, maybe. But, I, but you know, yeah, so, <laughs> so that is what I like about um, Longshanks. But, and I've, I've chatted with the guys from uh, Best Coast Pairings. Now, the guys from Best Coast Parents come from a 40K background. And mm. super nice guys. I really like them. But uh, when I said, hey, it would be nice if we could avoid pairing people on the same table that they've been on before. I'm like, oh, well, they, they didn't really see the reason for that. Because 40K yeah, I play, mean, 40K terrain's not as big a deal. They play on set terrain maps, more or less. Yeah. And so it doesn't really affect it, where as opposed to... Um, Malifo, each of our table setups is unique. Now, there's going to be certain Definitely. elements that are, I want on all of the tables, but the tables themselves are unique. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say any like tournaments, but and this isn't just Malifo. Mm-hmm. I've been to Guild Ball tournaments. I've been to Warhammer tournaments that have done this. There's a there's some tos. Where they're like, here's your opponent, go find a table. I'm like, that's re- nope. that just opens up so much bias for one player to be like, hey, we're playing over here. Oh, look, this just so happens to benefit me. This is great. And the player that will do, and a lot of times the player who is paired against that person, no one wants to be that that guy. At the yeah. Says, hey, so you're kind of. Doing I would this be that thing. guy. Right, but it's the you don't. A lot of times, 
most people, especially in the Malfo community, are oh, yeah. super friendly, and they're like, "Hey, they're they're not going to go and say it." Or I will, as a TO, <laughs> I will hear about issues after the tournament. It's like, after "Hey, so and so did this. It wasn't, you know, great." I'm like, "No, no, no. Tell me at the time. That's the reason that there is a TO there. The TO is yeah. the designated asshole." I I've told Ed. I love that, Doug. I'm glad you said that. I've I tell people all the time as a TO. I'm like you don't have to argue over it. If you don't agree with something, call me over and I'll be the one that makes the decision whether it's right or wrong and you can blame me for whatever, but that's on me. And I actually, at one of the tournaments I went to, I told the TO they were doing like the, hey, go find a table thing. I was like, well, no, 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 no. Assign tables, even if it's just like, okay, you two here, you two there. It's like, you can't let players choose a table because there will be some a-hole that games the system a little bit. And in Malifaux, like if I see all these buildings, lots of cover and lots of open alleys, I'm like, sweet, I want to play like Ophelia or I want to play, you know, Perdita and I'm going to kill whatever comes around that corner. Yep. I've seen it. It sucks. Yeah. Oh, and so that's why, you know, what? You're as a TO, you're the designated asshole that yep. now hopefully you don't have to be an asshole, but you know, you're taking that on to be, make sure that it's fair play for everyone. And yep. it sucks if a TO doesn't, ha- you know, ends up with favorites. But when I'm TOing something, I make a big point of, you know, removing my bias from it. That I will go and like. So if the T, if there's an issue going on, as it, uh, you want the TO to come over, don't come to the TO and say, "Oh, hey, so what happens with this, this, and this?" It's like, "Hey, call the TO over," because it's easier for me to say for you to say. Okay, so this is the exact situation. Yeah. This is the ability. This is how it's interacting with this ability. Because I don't have everything memorized. No one. Okay. Well, those who do. And have there's also memorized, positional things. Yep. Like you might be like, yeah. So you're right, but that aura is cut off because of this piece of terrain. So now it doesn't interact that way. Right. And that sort of thing. I mean, when it comes to you know yep. time calls, there's the things like where now. It, for the small local tournaments, I do not post a clock. I'm contemplating posting the clock for uh, the foe down. Got to decide whether or not I'm going to float that with my local guys. Because are you are you doing? Uh, so I saw it's two and a half hours, which yeah. I think is plenty of time to finish a game. Um, I I usually run about two fifteen is what mm-hmm. I run for my tournaments locally. But are you doing like 15 minutes left? Don't start a new turn. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. So when, so for my local tournaments and for generally when I ever do a, a time call, I call out approximate times until 15 minutes. And so yeah. it's the, you have about one hour remaining. You have about yeah. 30 minutes remaining. And, you know, I start the clock sometime after I get, after I see that, Everyone has got to their table because I, I don't want, you know, there to be the oh, there's that, there's always that one slow guy who's like, oh god, I didn't pack up my stuff, oh god, oh, and I was getting <laughs> lunch, and so I'm still eating, and so I don't want anyone to be advantaged by, you know, at advantage or disadvantage because their opponent, you know, happened to be slow, or you yeah. know, oh, they were a little disorganized or they're just frazzled because it's their first tournament, so I yeah, do not give happens. exact time calls until 15 minutes do not start another turn yeah and now this this hat can bite me in the ass and i have had it bite me in the ass where someone asked for time and i told them there is more than 15 minutes remaining 
start that turn if you can. And then he has to be at, at 15 minutes and 15 seconds. Damn. And because now the new turn doesn't start until you discard and draw. So the discarding cards from your hand is what technically starts the new hand, the new turn, if you look at the start phase. So sure. in second edition, it was when you shuffled. They changed that in third edition. Okay. And so it's the you start shuffling, that doesn't mean the turn has started yet. Once you have discarded, and you know, so discard the cards, draw your new hand, a new turn has started. So if you have done that, and then I call 15 minutes, you have to play out that turn. And it's, <laughs> So I could just sit there and shuffle for a while, just be like, don't mind me, just well, shuffling the deck well. And if someone is doing that, you can say, hey, uh, T.O., he's <laughs> slow playing me. And how do, Now, Doug, how do you deal with that as a T.O.? Because I've been there before, and I think a lot of people just don't want to be the person that calls it out. But if somebody does either like step aside from the table and just be like, hey, Doug, man, he's slow. Like we're we're two hours into it and we're not even out of two yet. Well, so it comes down to the, is it intentional slow play or is it a slow play through inexperience? Because there there's times where, you know what, someone is not intentionally slow playing for advantage. Sure. Because they just don't know, they're, they're new. They don't know what's going on. They're like legitimately asking, hey, so what does that do? Hey, so what does that do? Hey, so what does that do? And no offense to new players, um, because when you play against a newer player, you have to assume you're probably not getting out of three and a half turns, probably. Right. That's probably max, unless they're just on it. And that's why whenever I play against, well, I do this in general anyways, but when I play against a new player, I try to score my schemes and strat turn two. Mm-hmm. So I get three points right away. And that way I know, okay, I'm getting... Ideally, I want to get at least six, um, but you know, you never know with a new player. But I, I try to score early to avoid that. Yep, that is I mean, shit, trying to score early, even against an experienced player, because sometimes yep. you just happen to have a turn where a lot goes down and some crazy chain combo things happen. Of the oh, yeah. hey, you got that perfect thing of the every single coordinated attack goes off and you're getting all these positive or all these negative. So you're flipping a lot of cards and you're shuffling the deck in the middle and going through it multiple times. There's times where just you get a long ass turn because that's the way the the uh, things sh- uh, shook out. Have you seen intentional slow play in Malifaux, Doug? Just curious. <sighs> I have. Not, I've never had to explicitly deal with it. Also because no, people say, hey, I think he slow played me, not he is slow playing me. Well, that's the tough thing, right? Because, and as somebody who has been to a lot of tournaments, usually it's not just, it's, it's not super obvious, but all of a sudden somebody who's very fluent with their crew, all of a sudden, you know, just start picking up cards, mm-hmm. start asking more questions. And if they weren't playing the game that way the entire time, I'm like... And if, especially if they have a lead, I'm like, all right, and we're getting low on time. I'm like, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to say what you're doing. I'm just going to play faster to try and catch up. Yeah, well, if, if that's happening, if you feel it, so people don't call me, don't call me over on it a lot. I, as a TO, get called over after the fact a lot. Yeah. That tends it's, to be it, one If you think it's, well, see, the thing is, it. In most cases, I'm I don't have a problem telling the person, and if I think I can overcome it anyways, I'm not going to say anything just because I'm like I'm going to beat you anyways. Yeah. Um, if you're slow playing me and I think I can beat you, but if somebody, especially 
if it's mid middle of the game and all of a sudden it's just grinding to a halt, I, there's been a couple of times where I've had to tell first, I think it's important that you communicate with the other player yep. to be like, Hey, you know, it's been like 15 minutes and you still haven't activated a model. It's like, you've been debating yeah, back and forth. It's like, I understand that you're trying, like, this is important, but we got to move it along here. And they're getting and if analysis you, paralysis. Now, like a new player which will is legitimately thing. get, you know, analysis paralysis. And they just don't know what to do because they don't have all the reps in. But if it's a player who's played a lot, they might get that, oh my gosh, I'm normally not out of the top table and I'm, you know, playing on the top table here. Oh my God. And they just forget everything. Yeah. Honestly, you know, saying it, giving them a friendly match, like, hey, dude, you know your crew. Just go with it. You know what? Don't worry about it. You're, you know it and, better and than honestly, you I, I usually tell people when it gets to that situation, if I don't think it's ill-willed, which I don't mm-hmm. think I've had anybody doing it ill-willed. I think they've just gone into the tank because they're trying to win. Yeah. Um, and that's not ill-willed, you know, slow play. That's like I'm trying to find a way to win a slow play, which I've done myself, so I definitely can appreciate it. But I've found the more I play in events, it's better just to make a decision and go with it than to just sit there for 15, 20 minutes. Now, there's times where you might want to spend like five minutes thinking yeah. about something, but you need to make a decision and go. Otherwise, you're just costing yourself points. Right. And that's one of the reasons I'm kind of against having clocks visible. Because, hell... At, People freak out. At, well, at Nova, <laughs> so at Nova Open, I didn't notice on like the first day that uh, he actually had the clock up there. But when I yeah. saw that, oh, wait, he's posted the clock. He's got it projected on the wall. I normally don't worry about the time. It's like, I'm just going to play this. I'm going to go do my crew as fast as I can. But uh, then I started looking at the clock and it's the, oh, we're not. And then you get that mindset of the, okay, we're at, you know, 30 minutes right now. We're at this point in this turn. That's the point where you start doing the mental math of the, hey, are are we going to get to another turn? Or do I need to, you know, be ready to score the end game parts on this here? Yeah. And... I felt bad looking at it. It's like I look at it and go, "Oh no, no!" I'm like, "Don't look at the clock." Don't. It's like, but it's there and it's information. <laughs> it's all I can think about now. It's open information, <laughs> and strategically, I should be looking at it to you know gauge what I'm going to yeah. score. And so that's why I don't like to post it. Did you uh, did you play War Machine or Guild Ball at all, Doug? I did, I never played War Machine. Uh, the local uh, area here kind of had a bad rep with it. Mm-hmm. That there was you know. The, yeah. it, it, the the player people who played it here kind of had a rep of being a bunch of dick bags. I mean, I think War Machine kind of like I think it draws that kind of person who likes the you know combo setup kill type thing. Um, and but I, I, I never played saying, it, but I, and I I played yeah. Guild Ball friendly. I never got into it enough to actually be so. Uh, playing I think people that have played either of those games because both those games are very dependent on clock. Mm-hmm. Like, literally a chess clock right. where you're slapping it back and forth. And the first time that you do that in a tournament, it's super overwhelming because you're freaking out because, one, War Machine has a death clock. Like, if you run out of time, you lose. Right. Um, and Guild Ball had that for a while, but then they switched to, okay, if you get to zero, you give up, you know, each activation, you give up a VP. So, it, it is super intense. So, even, if, even though we're not doing that, just seeing a clock, I can see freaking some people out. Well, and so... The every few months, you know, the idea of chess clocks in Malifaux comes up, and the issue is though that you're making decisions on your opponent's turn, 
So whose whose time is it on? When it's yeah, like, oh, deciding to cheat sure. fate or not? And then it's like, okay, it's like you're you'll well, literally there's be auras like, and you're asking questions. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough in those situations. And so the you make uh, compared to any other game I've played, you make far more decisions on your opponent's turn in Malifaux than any other game I've played because what I how I react during your turn you know, affects both of us there. And it will change the outcome of the game. Like, do I cheat this or not? Or, oh, hey, I cheat this, but I, you know, oh, I'm getting this extra trigger off here, and so now I get to go and do some extra stuff here. Or the, oh, well, that, but then I get to scamper. And so there's all the things that happen on your opponent's turn. Yeah, and what I want to do, Doug, is I do want to go through um, each round, and what I'm going to do is I'll read the pool, and then I'll give you kind of my initial just like as a player, what I would what I see popping out at me. And then you can tell me kind of what your intentions were and how you envision this maybe playing out um, for certain players. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what, oh, what, when it comes to making the pools, I, I'd mention like, oh, I got my spreadsheet there and I'll deal the mm-hmm. things out. I'll take a look at them, kind of set them up and go, oh, well, hey, this one's got, as we said before, corner breakthrough. Well, we haven't had that in a while, so okay, maybe I'll do that. Or is he, well, you know what? It's not, you know, I'm going to shuffle sure. that breakthrough to somewhere else. Or I'll look at the pool and go, okay, this is a really killy strategy. And then I've got, you know, all of the killy schemes in this strategy. So this suddenly is the nothing but kill game. But also because I'm doing the spreading out the numbers of what each, um, you know, making sure that the schemes are all evenly represented. So if overly killy is overly represented in one round so then you're suddenly going to have rounds that are overly schemey schemes yeah and so making sure that it's you know balancing the uh strategy with what's in the pool is important and then i also want you to be able to have difficult decisions to make and because you know what sometimes is the hey you know assassinates in the pool but this is a thing that is really good for an easy-to-kill master. Or, yeah. well, this is, you know, assassinates in the pool and it's a killy scheme. Okay, there's that. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, you've got, you know, uh, leave your mark and spread them out. Well, that, you can head fake leave your mark when you're going for spread them out. Yeah. And so... And those head- are really Those are really creative and interesting when you see them. Um, and, and it allows you as a player to get really creative. There was a game I played where I, I took bait and switch, Mm -hmm. but there was leave your mark. So what I did is I, I had a hunter that I, I ran to the middle of the board and I dropped a scheme to fake out, leave your mark. So the person I played against brought their master in to engage the hunter and drop a scheme and then I revealed, leave your mark, and they were like, oh. oh. Yeah, the bait and switch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It might. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, actually, you no, it's reveal- catch, and, catch and release. Oh, catch and, catch re- and release. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's what it was. Yeah. So, because it was a minion, had a master, and engaged, and I was like, sweet, boom, and got the point for it. And 
then I had to get creative to try and get it out of there and not die, and that didn't happen. But, you know, you can't win them all. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the making the tough decisions, giving people the opportunity to play the mental game of it there. Of the, yep. Oh, I'm showing this scheme right here, but it hasn't, you know, I haven't scored it yet. Sure. Oh, no, you denied me this scheme that I didn't actually take. Yeah, and back when we had outflank, some people would send a random model over there to try and make people think you had outflank, so they'd rush over to try and stop it. Yep. Um, I never got fooled by that, but I could see some people doing that. But in uh, round one, so we have standard deployment, which you said you like doing in round one. Yep. And it's covert ops. So covert ops is the one where you have to secretly choose three models and then basically you can unload your token onto one of the um, objectives, yep. strategies. And you have assassinate, leave your mark, spread them out, load them up, and in your face. So this one's kind of interesting because you can definitely go killy in this one. Yep. So you you could be somebody who brings like a really strong crew, kind of you know squats in the middle of the board. You're going to kill stuff with assassinate. You're going to maybe do a uh, public demonstration. Is no, that no, one of them? No, in your face. In your face. In your face. So I could see somebody definitely leaning into that, especially some of your more aggro players. Um, to me, though, I definitely see an option for, like like you were saying, leave your mark and spread them out and load them up. Yep. So if you're a scheme-heavy crew, you could actually spread out pretty good. Maybe try to outflank your opponent, start getting your spread them out set up. Um, maybe also do uh, load them up so as your opponent tries to chase you down, you can remove it up, you know, remove schemes for that. So uh, I could see, and that makes this interesting to me because you can play it one of two ways, I think. Yeah. So I, I like, and like I said there, you've got, this is a good, um, ski, a good scheme pool to kind of you know, be doing the head fakes on these, like, oh man, which one do I have? There's a couple mm -hmm. ones here where I'm dropping scheme markers, or hey, maybe I'm trying to put out those, uh, you know, pit trap markers, or, you know, yep. killing you all and getting your corpses over there. And so yeah. a lot of those, uh, you know, I, I like that this has got the ways you can do the head fakes there, but also because there's a lot of uh, scheming interactions there. So uh, leave your mark, uh, spread them out. The uh, covert operations, you just have to be near the pillar. You don't have to interact with it. And yep. so if there's a lot of interacts going on with the strategy, it's it's really hard then to also do the interacts to drop your scheme markers. Yeah. And so that it, it kind of balances it out nicely, I think. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I think flexible crews that can do both drop schemes and do some fighting yep. would do really well in this pool. I mean, and you could go, like, hard aggro on it there with a kind of you an could. alpha strike crew because assassinate in your, and in your face is in there. So if you're going, you know, balls to the wall and just go, yeah, stab all the things. But one of the also, if you're uh, going super alpha strike, that does often leave your own master kind of hanging in the lurch, vulnerable yep. to assassinate sometimes. And in your face, don't you have to be, is it, what, eight soul stones or more? Eight soul stones or more within, uh, what is it, three inches three. of either leader. Yep. So that one, you could even scheme a little bit against it because 
if you, I mean, if your master is the only thing that's more than eight points, which I don't think you would do because that's a very squishy list, but you could try to do it if you wanted to avoid that point or something. Well, so um, the Titania crew, the Titania two crew that I bring most of the time, the uh, only model other than my master in it that is more than eight soul stones is usually either the emissary or the Rex. I think that people need to remember when it comes to schemes like that too, is that upgrades don't count right. for the for schemes as far as points go. So it's not like, oh, this is a six stone minion and an upgrade. Now they're an eight stone for the scheme. It's like, no, they're still six when you consider the scheme there. Well, and if you take a look at this, so covert operations, you've got lots of, uh, you'd say take a fairly minion heavy crew where you got, you know, mm. seven cost minions and less and a lot of them. Well, you've suddenly got a lot of options to a go run around to spread them out, go do leave your mark. Make sure you got then people who are going and camping on those markers and you're denying them the ability to get in your face. Now, having nothing over eight soul stones other than your master is going to be, yeah, kind of hamstringing yourself. But if you only have, say, the one model that it will qualify for in your face, you know you're going to have to be able to, you know, protect that and defend that model. And it kind of allows you to say, oh, they're going hard into this model. They've got, you know, that they've got in your face. And so either get your uh, leader away from that model or keep their leader away from that model. And I, I like, and Covert Ops I like because just like we're talking about with head fakes here, Doug, I, I like Covert Ops because you can actually head fake the strat. You can be like, which three did I pick, you know, for this turn? And I did want to show you, um, I think this is... I'm going to forget their names. I'll I'll put it in a little picture next to this, but um I got I got these tokens from uh somebody in the UK that makes uh different tokens for Malfo oh, nice. and other games and they actually have a little ledger that they that they made for this covert ops. Oh, that's and cool. And what you do is it's magnetized. So each turn you write secretly your three models and then you can cover it up. It and then when you reveal it, pew, pew, and here I was, like a pet, like a peasant, writing it on paper. Just writing on, like literally, this is the pad of paper I was using last night. Nope, magnetized, writing it like a champ. Oh, and yeah, so I, this is really cool. The funny thing is, like, I'm looking at this go. Oh yeah, no, that turn, all three of these guys were, were able to score that. <laughs> it, I um, it ended up being uh, I was trying to. I finally got Lucius two kind of chugging away for me and nice. did a nice little ping pong game of murder and it was uh surprising to both him and me so yeah so i think that's a good one to kind of start off the uh start off day one gives you a little bit of everything lets you play pretty much i mean i'd say that probably opens up to you could probably play 80 percent of the crews into that pool and find some way to win it. There's not a lot of crews that wouldn't be able to find something in that pool. Yeah, mo I mean, that's kind of what I aim for round one, is that it's something where any crew that you bring into it, most any, it'll, you know, allow you to play what you want to play, and, you know, sort out the, hey, the top players are going to do very well in that. Your lower players are, they're not going to struggle with the, the uh, pool, but, well, you know, yeah. hey, it'll start to filter the players to where they're going to be in the standings. 
for sure. So I like that, but round two, I mean, this one's interesting. It's corner, but it's cursed objects. Yep. And you have Vendetta, Sabotage, Hidden Martyrs, Public Demonstration, and then Set the Trap. Oh, man, I, I'm looking. So you need something that is fast and hits hard. Yep. Um, I mean, to me, this almost looks like a Marcus pool. Uh, if I'm looking at this in Bayou, I think I have to play something like... You could drop something like Brewmaster. You could drop something probably like... Ulix is pretty fast, but his models are also squishy. So this one's interesting because you need speed, but you also you want some durable models. Yeah. Um, there are some schemes that you could maybe do some hit and run tactics, like kill the model, but also you're scheming a little bit with like sabotage. That kind of sticks out to me if I'm picking a fast crew because I can go kill something and then also run a scheme runner up the side to maybe do sabotage. Um, zip with first mate actually sounds pretty good with this Ooh, one. Yeah, that sounds nice. Um, hidden martyrs is always good with cursed objects because you're having your opponent second guess. Uh, and I was gonna say that um, I also like to like I like to put hidden martyrs into a into a killy pool because yep. it's sort of it's that, like are oh, you man, sure you want to kill that? Is this the model I want to kill? It's like oh you take a look at their uh, <laughs> what's in their uh, crew and go. All right, so these are the ones that are eligible for it. Why? Why is this piglet running in my face? <laughs> Kill me! Kill me! I'm delicious. You, he's like, hey, you like you like bacon? <laughs> um, the only thing that would make that better is if I could hidden martyrs a piglet and then have it die to drop the leave your mark scheme. Oh, that would be <laughs> evil and delightful. But that, that's I, the kind that of would, thing I like. That would be a sick reveal. I would love that. Although one of my favorite things to get is when, um, and this happened during the Nova Invitational, when both players select the same models for Vendetta. Oh. Where you know and they just hey, go at each other. This is my, you know this one has Vendetta on that model and that model has Vendetta on this model. They're just like, come at me, bro. It well, especially it's like, all right, it happened to me. Um, against Trisha at, uh, during the Invitational. And I almost killed the Vendetta model um, turn one, accidentally. Yeah. Well, because it came at me, came at the Autumn sure. Night, and the Autumn Night parried really well. Did, did Autumn Night did things. Autumn, did uh, Autumn Night in Titania 2 things and left it at one wound. And it hadn't <laughs> activated yet. Oh, dear. So it's like, well, shit. I mean, yeah, I could charge through it and just mer kill it off and whatever. What? I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. So, public demonstration, mm -hmm. what do you think about that scheme? I have never chosen it. It is I, I also to build a crew around. That's a dead scheme to me. This might as well Same. just be four schemes. Um, but I, I like that you still put it in there because there are some type of minded person who probably does like that because they can calculate it out, right? Right. But that's not me. So um, at Novo, there was one round where you know public demonstration was in it, and I hadn't even noticed that my crew, I did not have any way I could possibly choose that, and neither could my opponent. We both basically we were both playing yeah. with four schemes. He pointed like, yeah, so looks like um, you're not going to be able to choose taking public that. demonstration, <laughs> and neither will I. I'm like, oh yeah, guess neither of us can. Okay, and. 
I Doug, that's kind of because in a lot of these pools, not yours specifically, mm-hmm. but I feel like people are bringing models that can hang around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those tend to be a little more expensive. So to me, the way this GG is playing out, it's tough to do public demonstration because you want tough models and they're usually more expensive. That's what I found as well. Um, uh, anytime I've had a crew that it could score, where I could legally take public demonstration with them, it just seemed like, well, they're not all going to be able to, you know, it's not going to survive long enough to get that demonstration off. And those same, mo- even if it was the exact same crew, they're going to be able to score other schemes better, I feel like, yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah, so that one's going to be interesting. Uh, I'd love for people to comment or share if they've used that to some effect. Uh, I The crews that I play, I have not seen it yet. I, the only one that I think I'm, I might be able to pull it off with is Mawtucket. Mawtucket has some really disgusting minions. So yeah. that might be the only crew that I see me pulling that off with. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to have, you know, at least three models with, uh, you know, cost seven or less, t- cost of 18 or less. So basically, at most, it's three models, three six-cost minions. You know, that just makes me want to be like, I'm just going to bring these crazy uh, test subjects and we're just going to go ahead and go to Pound Town. Yeah, buddy. Wait, quick question, which one's your favorite test subject? Hmm. I mean, I do enjoy Kung Fu Alligator. Boom. That's the best one. So there's what? There's Kung Fu Alligator. There is uh, the Brass orangutan. Knuckles Orangutan. What's the third one? You don't remember? I don't remember. How about the Chicken with the Helmet? <laughs> See, that one's not as good. As, you know, Brass it's Knuckles not. Orangutan and Kung this Fu This one Alligator. never sees the table. This one never sees the table unless I bring all three for some reason. When it, when it comes to most, uh, you know, minions where you're going to be able to get have three on the table... It's rare that I ever run three of anything. and 12 soul stones for three test subjects isn't terrible, though. Yeah, no, that's... You know what? For that, that totally works. But, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very rare that, you know, I bring... That's what I'm saying. She's the only one I think that might work. I can see that for, working. I can see that working. For four really stones, well. they're re- kind of ridiculously hard to kill. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... You know, I always have, you know, that one of the, you know, three minions... Who just lives in the bag, or you know what? I just never pay. Like I like the uh, autumn nights are phenomenal, but I'm never gonna bring all three of them. It just it's so, a lot. Doug, so one's unpainted. As a Titania player, how are you finding um, set the trap? How are you finding that one? So I take it a lot, and then I fail to score it. <laughs> oh yeah. Part of it is that so you have to have the you know at least one one of those scheme markers down out there because it's very rare that you're going to be able to get three models from one with marker, one scheme with one scheme marker yeah and so either you have to have it set up you know on an earlier turn because the uh behold her glory that's like yes you get to put that scheme marker damn near anywhere you want it to be but yeah you ha- you're need to do that where to score that scheme, you need to be doing that when you know mostly where those models are going to end up. I tell you what, playing Dead Man Walking, 
that scheme's money. Oh yes. Because you. Oh yes. Or I was playing loot monger. Loot monger. That's money. I haven't seen that it's one like on the that, table yet. So. So loot monger. I'm still playing with it, and I like it. It's just Somer's in a bad bot, bad spot. Let's just say that. Yeah. But I think it's his keyword. I think he's actually fine. I think a lot of his keyword is you know because he was such a powerful summoner that you don't hire those models, but now you don't really summon that well, and you don't want to hire them. So, well, and but anyways, you don't want to bring summoners say into cursed object because your opponent then gets yes, to choose. Too. Do you put so the it's the opponent's choice whether or not you put a curse token on them. You put a curse on them, and so you summon yep. them. They can't take the interact action that turn. But you can straight up murder that model, and it will count for cursed objects that turn. So, yep. so it, it is kind of one of those things where I think summoner, summoners in general are in a pretty pretty rough spot with GG three. But we'll, we'll see. Some people might do some creative things with them. I've but, done some um, nice things with cursed objects with the Dreamer, because so the Dreamer mm-hmm. because his models bury, you leave them buried yeah. until. The turn that they so you don't uh, unbury them. The so they put the cursed object on the them, turn they can get rid of you it. You don't uh, unbury them that turn, and then when they unbury, they immediately go, "Oh, sweet, I unburied in base contact with you." Curse immediately on you. Yeah, that that's a good point because then you're not only summoning the model, but now if there's a model that somehow got rid of theirs, or you know, just just some kind of situation like that, you can be like, "Cool, I'm going to drop in." Chuck that on you and start beating you up. Right. And so, Dreamer's in a good spot for that one. But other summoners where their models start out in play is... Uh, yeah. Now, um, Tara, she, hers are buried when she summons too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, she so could get away with that too. too. And so, it's the... You choose not to unbury them until they're, you know, able to go, Hey, here's the curse. Back. Yep. And then, to finish out day one... For round three, you got Wedge with Guard the Stash. Yep. Uh, you have Breakthrough, Leave Your Mark, Catch and Release, Spread Them Out, and Public Demonstration. So this one's kind of interesting because it's Wedge, so you're going to be kind of staring each other in the face. But you look at the schemes, they're really like, hey, go do your thing. Right. So you want to hold an area, but you're also putting schemes out. So for me... I. <laughs> So for me, this one screams Brewmaster 2 because you're controlling the areas. You have 12 cups of coffee to get rid of random scheme markers. I'm like, anything that has mass, get rid of schemes. Or Nelly. Nelly would be a nightmare, I think, in this one. Uh, This one will be interesting because it's the last round of day one. And you might go against an opponent who just... You know what? You might not even do any damage to your opponent. You might just... Put distracted out. You might just push them around. You know, fighting in the scrum to control the area, dropping schemes. This one's actually, I think, for day one, this one's actually the most interesting to me because you can play this in a couple different ways. But I think the people that can move stuff, uh, guild probably be pretty good because you can get the upgrade to not be moved. Yep. You have laugh off um, is always good. This one's gonna be interesting. This pool is gonna have a lot going on there. I kind of why I wanted it to, you know, end day one with this one there is that when I made all the uh, pools, I, you know, made them, but didn't say this one is round one. This one is round two. I'm like, I have these 
five pools. I was like, oh, you know what? This one is a nice one to start out with. This one is a nice one to, you know, kind of end the day with because it's tough decisions. Because you look at this, yeah. there are some tough decisions to be made here. Yeah. That you well, need yeah, to... because it's like, which scheme are you going to take? Because you have one, two, three, and yeah. So, I mean, there's so many options for schemes. I mean, you really have to try and be smart with denying because your opponent could be doing any of those. And then also a random catch and release there. So then you got to watch out for late turn minions trying to hunt down your stuff. Yep. And like, if you honestly, this is going to be one of those ones where, cause I mean, you're starting at wedge, you're, you know, like practically staring them straight in the face that it's going yeah. to be very easy to get to your opponent's board half, which, you know, guard the stash. You're going for the ones in the middle and you're going for the ones on the other side of the table. Honestly, it's going to be like, all right, hey, uh, I can't reach my own guy. You're going to be both playing on the opposite side of the board from where you're actually set up at. And that kind of tickles me a little bit. Yeah, this might be an interesting one also, now that I'm thinking about it. I've been playing a lot of the Dread Pirate Zip. Okay. And this one actually might be pretty interesting for him as well, because there's a lot of dropping schemes. Uh, there's a lot of putting distracted out. Uh, full speed ahead's real good. You can fly over stuff to try and get to those areas. Um, yeah, there, there's a couple masters that would be good options here. So I do need to say one non sequitur with a Dread Pirate Zip that is very disappointing. He yeah. has no action that says almost likely kill you in the morning. And quite frankly, <laughs> that's a mistake. You're offended. I, I, You're you know offended. what? That, that's... It was like, ooh, the Dread Pirate Zip, sweet. But no, almost likely kill you in the morning. I mean, come on. All right, man. Wesley, I'll most likely kill you in the exactly. morning. Exactly. That would be glorious. I would love that. And sadly, it was not. But you know what? I, I they do a good I'm, job of hitting the pop culture references. They just missed it a little bit. They missed bit that, they, that, you know, missed opportunity. Maybe they didn't want to be too on the nose with that. But let's be honest. When it comes to gremlins, you have to go on the nose because none of them have noses. I had to, you know, I, there, I was looking at a lot of options for Houston. I was thinking running 10 Thunders. I was thinking about going back to Outcasts. But I'll, all of a sudden, I just, I, I pulled out my Ulix 2 model. Okay. And I was like, I need to paint you. And you need to see some table time. That is a sexy model. I mean, obviously I have it because, it's you know, Titania 2. And when it comes to the, you know, the splitting up the uh, dual master boxes, I'm like, no, I want both of all of the models in the box. Because, you know, even if I don't play that crew, it's the, I don't play that crew yet. <laughs> and you know what? Nice. Even if I am never going to play that crew, I love cool models to paint. I just love painting cool models. And that is a cool, yeah. cool ass model. Most of the uh, Malifaux Burns models are just freaking sweet, man. I mean, mm -hmm. they just got a lot of flavor to them, a lot of uh, character for sure. Uh, yeah, so day three is going to be kind of, people are going to be worn down a little bit. This is the three-day, three-round, or sorry, th yeah, the three-round day. Yep. Um, that day for people who don't go to bigger events tends to wear on you a little bit. Yep. And then you have to come back the next day and play two more. Yes. Now, and we're, we are doing the Henchman Hardcore in that evening, and uh, I kind of floated this around. Uh, I'd originally planned on doing it 
um, on Friday. But there were a few people who were like, hey, I'm not getting into town until late. So I'm like, you know what? Bonanza Brawl, start things off light and silly. And talking to the guys at Nova, because, uh, you know, we did the, you know, five round, you know, we did shit, we did back-to-back two-day five-round tournaments. And so the Henchman Hardcore was on, basically, after we finished our eighth round of Malifaux in three days. Because, you know, yeah. three-day, two-day, three-day. And then most of us ended up playing the Henchman Hardcore and really had a blast. And so yes. I floated it with the guys like, hey, would doing the Henchman Hardcore that evening be, you know, good times? Because, and like, yeah, you know what? It lets more people participate. Well, and it's yeah, and fun. I think, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll see how I'm feeling. I, I'm not, I haven't done a Henchman Hardcore before, so I'm tempted to. Uh I'm going to need some drinks in me at that point, though. Conveniently, <laughs> the Tabletop Tavern has beverages to help you out. I'm going to need them. I'm going to be like, all right, let's get some food. Let's, you know, go ahead and get some beers and let's uh, do this thing. Hey, and you know what? The, the, you're always allowed to buy your TO beers during the day. I'm not going to say it gets you more favorable rulings. That's the best thing. Buy your buy your opponent a beer too. Buy your opponent a beer. Buy your TO a beer. Buy the buy the room around. Hell yeah! That's the that's the best thing about being having beer available Mm -hmm. is if you get smashed or if not not buy beer. I mean, if you get like beaten up in the in the you know tournament game, or if you beat your opponent real bad, I always be like, you want to know what? That was a rough game for you. Let's go get a beer. <laughs> yep. It's like, you know what? It's like, or, or I've also done it with Doug where it's like, you want to know what? It's We're on turn three. Let's go get a beer real quick. Let's just go get one and let's figure out how we end this thing. Yep. And that that is always acceptable. And I'm so excited that they've got, you know, the tavern open. Because the store had been open for a little while before they got I hope all... they got a... Do they have enough beer for this? Because... I, I know I'm gonna be drinking. Because so. I mean, I'm gonna be drinking when I when I've seen it. I mean, because they've got they've got it on tap. They also have it in bottles and cans. So they've got a wide yeah. selection. I think they've got it's three or four tap handles. I okay. think it's four. I, just, I want them to be ready. Uh, South Carolina, that's that's the way we do it at these events. I, <laughs> I will tell them be ready with beer. And we tip. We tip. We tip our. Uh, Tip our bartenders. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, my Most of my local guys so far have been very good about making sure they take care of the people at the tavern. So tip your, you Sweet. know, servers. So getting into, and how are you as a TO on a two-day tournament, Doug? Do you like showing pairings the day before? So like after round three, do you do pairings and then do you share those with people? No. Or do you just... Keep it random so they don't even know. Because I I don't like it when people have the whole night to theorycraft. So the ultimately the standings is public information. You know So you can guess. Yeah, well so I mean because it's in it's in long shanks, you can look at it and go, okay, so I'm in, you know, you know, I'm in second place. I'm probably gonna be playing against the person who's in first place, because I haven't played against them. That's how it shakes out. And yep. you can figure out how the pair, like, so long as you actually look at it, you can figure out exactly what the pairings should be. But, um, people drop. Now, yep. I encourage people to stick it out. Um, I'm doing the, uh, 
what they do at Nova Open. They do the uh, Medical Automaton Awards, uh, where it's the if you're in the some of the bottom tables there, if you stick it out to the uh, for all five rounds, uh, you get you know there's another special award there for whoever you know finishes the highest. For, so started in the bottom, finished the highest Medical Automaton. That's actually what I got at uh, Nova in the opening nice. because I was in the I was in the bottom <laughs> bottom ten and then ended up finishing in fourteenth. Um, so nice, yeah. So you know, firmly in the middle from being at the bottom. You know what? That well, makes me happy. I, I also like that, Doug, because at, so I'm not saying like I don't like it because I think people can game it. As a player, I don't like it because. I tend to switch what I plan on bringing 10 times throughout the night. Right. And then I usually make the wrong decision and then I F up my, you know, round four game on Sunday. Yep. And so, I mean, that's, that's usually me. Round four is the worst round for me in a two day tournament. Well, cause you're, you're waking up. It's the, Oh man, I had too much to drink last night. I'm in an unfamiliar place. And, Oh, right, we got to play some more games today. Shit, what, what time does this yeah. start at? Oh, God, all right, got to go, you know. I think round four is the fast. toughest round. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I like, you know, I like to encourage people to stick it out, even if it's like, oh, I didn't win anything. It's like, no, no, stick it out, you know. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I always make the goal of trying to finish in the top half because, yep. honestly, that's where I think I should, you know, generally I should finish unless things just go way the hell off the rails. And so I, I usually expect to do that. I mean, if I finish in the top and if I am in, you know, competition to win, great. Um, that's not ever going to make or break a tournament for me, though. Right. So I think just making the expectation of, you want to know, I want to finish here and I'm going to stick it out no matter what, just because you want experience. Like, if, even if you're on the bottom of, of the rankings of that tournament going into day two, it's... St- playing round four and five are the most valuable rounds of the tournament because those are the rounds where you're most likely to play against people that are your similar skill level. Because as the tournament starts to ebb and flow, you start to get closer and closer to people at your skill level. That's why in the later rounds, you see the top players are playing each other and the bottom players are kind of playing each other because it starts filtering out. So I would encourage newer players that are like, oh, I got my ass kicked. It's like, well, go to round four and five because those will be your best games. That's what I always tell my and com- competitive. I always like that, you know, honestly, after uh, round one starts the filter, after round two, it really is filtered mm-hmm. out for Agreed. the most part. Round four is going to be really, that's going to be... Probably Those are the best your rounds. Ba- Honestly, at Nova Open, round four, was, those were my favorite games bo- in both of those five day- those uh, two days. <laughs> so I will preface, because I said round four is the round I do the worst in, and usually it's because I am towards the you know top quarter of tables. Right. And uh, round four, I usually make my worst decision, and it's because it's the first day of the second, you know, maybe I didn't sleep good, maybe I didn't drink water, maybe I had too many beers, maybe I made too many random decisions in my head, but it is, those games are the best because I'm playing against people of my skill level. The tavern does also have coffee to help you out. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) no, man, just do another beer. Fair enough. That's how you get get the hair off the beast, man. There you go. Coffee or beer, you know, whichever one you're feeling, man. How about some Irish coffee? Ooh, that sounds good. That does. Mm. <laughs> so going into round four, though, you started off with Flank. So I think this is the first time we're seeing Flank in this tournament. Yep. It is. And so it's Carve a Path, which I like that. 
uh, Vendetta, Sabotage, Hidden Martyrs, Catch and Release, and In Your Face. I tell you what, this one, I can, and me as a player, being the first one on day two, I could see myself going more aggressive with this one, mm-hmm. putting some cheap models maybe to go ahead and push the rock, and then bringing some beat sticks and going for like Vendetta in your face. Yep. But once again, you have to be careful because freaking Hidden Martyrs is there again, Doug. You're a monster. Uh, well, you know what? Hidden Martyrs <laughs> is going to be in it at least two times. And there it is. Yeah, the only one. So uh, every single scheme except for one is played twice. And the one that is only played once, I jotted this down. I think it was. No, that's not the one. It was a secret meetup. And that would just ah. be random. Honestly, I love secret. Meetup. I love, I love it, dude. I'm, I don't care. Is that round five? Yes. I don't care what happens in in round five. I'm taking Maris, and she's gonna kidnap somebody and kiss him behind the barn. Well, you know, I, I love like how you jot it down in there because I'm like, you know, uh, when I it's like, all right, so it's gonna be Groot. Put a little heart the, next to your note. Groot and uh, <laughs> like Groot and the lawyer in the forest. Like that's how I jot it down because that. You know what? It I'm gonna, works. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my little ledger. I'm gonna put Maris in the forest with an executioner. I don't know. There you go. Right? <laughs> and you know, because that's that's a fun one. I I that's a fun scheme. It just ended up being the way it shook out. Yep. Um, I really I really do enjoy that one. That it's a um. Oh, it's almost an if uh, if it's in there, I'm gonna and I've got a walled guy, so I'm gonna be taken. Yeah, if you play against me, you know one of my walled guys is gonna try to kidnap you and throw but you somewhere because they've got that round four. Huck. Yeah, round four, Doug. Like, what were you thinking going into this one, being like, okay, it's gonna be the first round of the second day. Like, what were you kind of going for here? So I didn't want it to be over the top, you know, stabby, stabby, aggressive. The I didn't want it to be, you know, cursed objects straight out of the gate. Yeah. Now, cursed objects is round five, but I didn't want it to be something that we had just played. I didn't want it to be something that was too much to wake up to. But you know, <laughs> hey, we carved the path had to be in there somewhere. Seems to be either people love Carve the Path or they hate Carve the Path. Is oh, I love the Carve. Carve is, one, Carve is my favorite strat. Just because I love the idea. I just, you know, I get like a little minion and just push the cart. And then he runs up to it and he pushes the cart again. Yep. And then you go kill each other and it's it's fun. I and like then, you it. know, maybe you're kicking the, uh, shoving the other cart back. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And in Flank, that, that, that carving, those path markers... Those are going to end up nearby each other. It's uh, you're getting a lot of player interaction, player interaction on that one there. It, it's kind of like you just see the two carts that all of a sudden they just kind of pass each other, and hey, it's yeah. funny because in those instances, you and the other player have to make a decision. You have to be like, okay, are we just going to stare at each other and both score, or are we going to stop and punch each other? <laughs> that's a decision you have to make yep. it's a business decision and most of the times when I've played it the the carve markers end up near the center line and they were just you know punching the crap out of each other and then you know someone finally goes down it's like okay I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna kick yours the other way and keep going with mine or maybe I'm not even gonna kick yeah. yours the other way I'm just gonna keep going with mine yeah and I uh, also crews that can put stuff to get in the way so if you have like ice pillars or if you have pianos you know you can really start making it a little difficult for people to move things around 
But you can't, because remember, the carve markers remove those markers. Yeah, but I was talking more for preventing the models from walking up to the carve right. path marker. Yeah, so you got to, you know, put those in between the model and the carve yep. marker. Well, the other thing you can do with that, and so I ended up doing this uh, at Nova. God, I'm just like, oh, Nova, I did all these things. Well, because this is... I'm so cool. I went to Nova. Well, that okay, that was 14 rounds of Malifaux in five in four days. And honestly, that's the most competitive Malifaux I've gotten in in years because I'm I'm the guy who runs things. I don't get to compete in things all that Good often. for you. Good for you. Yeah, you Good know, someone you. has to do it. But yeah, so, good to get out there and play. But doing the car of the path, you can also hey, let's say you're a marker heavy crew, so like Titania. I played yep. Titania two into Carve the Path. Did somebody get all your somebody get all your markers? Well, here's the thing: is like, so I was playing against um, Longton, so the guy who won the Invitational. Okay. I'm playing into yep. uh, first round of the um, of the Open. I'm playing into him with Carve the Path, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm taking Titania two in this, and the looky is like. But why? Why'd you do that? Because I mean, it's kind of, I'm just gonna be removing your mark. Is this? I'm like, no, no, I got a plan. And so he got that. Really, I got you. He was really, really confused by that. There, there's this look of confusion on his face. Well, a lot of times, bewilderment. I was putting my markers where. Okay, he wanted. You know what? He wants to remove those markers. Ooh. Well, I'm putting them where. Okay, to remove them, he's kicking his thing towards me. So, That's a good point. So it sets me up to kick it back. Or, all right, he's putting it where, well, I at least know where it's going to be. It on, put it on his half of the board. And he's coming to, he's like, well, his guy's going to come over here to get that. Well, at least I know where he's going to be aiming for. And then I can set myself up to go go after him there. Now, he still won that game. I mean, he was playing Damien <laughs> too. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, painful. But, I mean, I only lost Pain. at six to four. I get, you know, me being, you know, I can, I'm, you know, yeah, middle of the pack most of the time. And uh, uh, going uh, up against the guy who won the entire thing, only losing six to four. Feel pre pretty good. Feels pretty good. And with that, you know, hey, those markers, the way to deal with Damien is like, oh, yeah, kidnap Lowheath. And so throw, you know, throw Lowheath into an underbrush you? marker and then have a uh, walled guy there to then, you know, throw him another. <laughs> I, Nick's not on here for me to make fun of him, but uh, I, I played against him the other day, and he was doing Yoko, and mm. I played Maw 2. And I took uh, I took Bill, and I power-dunked him into a pit trap. Oof. And I just kept picking him up and dunking him into the pit trap. Oh. And he tried to run away with his little, like, you're coming with me trigger. But then I dropped in the Soulstone Miner, and then I dropped him down the hole again and threw him back into the pit trap. So Bill's just flying all over the place. <laughs> and doing that sort of thing is, you know, a good way to deal with. It's entertaining. Yeah, you, you just plink that mo that hard to get that model that. Yeah, is he he was defense down. zero, Doug. Oh he god, defense zero. Oh god, you could just do whatever bad. you wanted to him then. I did. Ooh. I like. I'm like. Oh, I flipped the one. He's like, yeah, you got it. I was like, okay, well, that's oh. sweet. <laughs> oh. Ooh. That's what we call uh, bad news bearers. Yeah, and then he's taking the damage in those pit traps. But yeah, but so doing stuff like that where you see, hey, maybe you take, you know, because Ma loves her pit traps. But you take, uh, 
her into Carver Pass, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put these down. So then people hate those pit traps, so they're going to kick the marker towards I the I can pit see traps. that. That's a great point. That's a great and point. And then you're at least kind of dictating where they need to go with their carve markers. Yeah, because you can be like, sure, you're going to remove this, but I know where you're pushing it. And I'm going to have maybe something to counter up. Maybe you have one of your autumn nights there, which is like, now I'm going to smack you. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I can definitely see that. That's a great point. Yeah, and it, it, um, it, you know what? It's not always the ideal play there, but it's, hey, it's kind of at least helping you dictate where they're going to go and um, kind of lets you plan out a little bit. Yep. And with flank, because, I mean, flank that's on a diagonal, you there's a wide range of areas they could go, and it's not terribly difficult to get that path marker into the opponent's zone. Yeah, and I've seen uh, – so this is when I played against Chris, actually. But he actually took – he basically ended up swinging both of his carts to the same flank. Mm-hmm. So he pushed one to the right, and then he brought the other one from the left to the right and basically set up, like, a wall with his crew. That way he could score his and then prevent, basically, people from interacting with his. So I thought that was kind of an interesting tactic to kind of – wall off the crew and send both the carts the same way it, it took a lot of AP. it took more ap than i think i would be comfortable using but if you had faster models i could see it working ish faster so, models or things that'll allow you to you know multiply your uh, ap yeah you know you push it leap push it yep push it leap push it or you know push it walk up to it have someone else who can say hey you go do a thing okay now, round five, the crescendo of the tournament. The finale, have, as it were. We have cursed objects, again, into standard. So you went back to that standard kind of like, let's just see who has, you know, let's who has this, it. Let's end this how we began. And then we have breakthrough with assassinate, load them up, set the trap, and then secret meetup. Man, there's a lot going on with this one. I'm, I, This one, to me, would be very matchup dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I don't think I have something in my mind right away that I would gravitate to. I would kind of pick, honestly, this one, I would pick almost like an Ophelia or Perdita type master, a Dashel type master where it's like, you know, I know how to run this well. They do it very well. They kill things very well. Let's do it. And then I would kind of pick my schemes depending on how my opponent made their list. Um, I could see it also picking based on the table. So Let's say secret meetup. Yes, great, great point. The secret meetup, you need to have that piece of terrain that's going to be... Because that, that model needs to kind of gravitate towards that terrain. Yep. And so you're so going to get... Or get you, you, you have to have a model that can move that model. Like, right. You know, bringing somebody like Zip or Ophelia who can place you three inches or having, like you were saying, your uh, your group boy there yeah, or whatever that can... Oh, the walled guys. Yeah, that can just throw models, you know, around. Um, lures would also be another good option. So maybe you bring something like, you know, a Trixie Bell or a Geisha um, to lure people into the terrain. So definitely some options there for Secret Meetup if you think a lot of the action is going to happen in an area. Yep. Which, I mean, it's Cursed Objects and it's Standard. I think standard is pr- standard and wedge. Obviously, you're probably more likely to score secret meetup. 
especially if you have decent just displacement with models. So yep, but also I mean cursed objects. So obviously you know wedge is the most aggressive deployment followed by a flank. This is sort of that you know it's it's sitting back a little bit there, uh, and because we'd already done you know cursed objects on corner. So that's, you know, yep. the least aggressive one there. And now we're kind of at the middle level of aggression. You're going to, you you know, you might be able to soften up a model on cursed yep. objects but uh, on uh, turn one. But it's rare that you're going to be really able to really, you know, full on murder something accidentally too early. Yeah. Which right. that, that's one of those things I run into is the, oh, shit, I wanted to kill that one <laughs> Whoops, later. Whoops, I killed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, whoops, I killed it. Or, I mean, there's honestly those those times where it's like, oh, with Assassinate, if you can kill the master, but you haven't scored the first point, do you go for the kill just as, like, I'm going to guarantee that one point? Or do you, you know, you know, stop knowing they might heal up? I mean, are you asking me specifically? Yeah, I was asking you specifically. How do you usually go about that? Because I, I like to hear people's uh, I, theory. I on think that. Lis- listeners know that assassinate. I rarely take it because if I see the kill, I'm going to take it. Yep. Um, so I am the person that will take the one point at the end of the game because I think it's more valuable when the master is you know, about to die, I think it's more valuable to kill the master. I completely agree on that. And honestly, I, I I feel like instead of, you know, aiming for eight points in a game is very, very tough to do. And that, I mean, that, that you have to get to five rounds, which now a lot of tournaments, that is entirely dependent on your opponent. Like, like if I can get to five rounds in a game, but I'm playing against someone who's a little bit slower... I may not be able to guarantee, so that's suddenly, okay, I'm not getting, you know, that last strategy point. Well, and I also think that there's more engagement Mm -hmm. in this GG. Yes. And like people are saying, there's a lot of models that are getting removed earlier. Um, It's a little more aggressive, a little more, you know, kill kill motivated just because it's forcing engagement at certain points on on the board. And I think because of that, I think it's reducing the amount of APs you have throughout the game. Right. And I've, I've noticed that a lot of games are kind of stuck somewhere into that, like three, four or three, five or five, four kind of range. Yep. That's um, where I, I, th- I, I think that's pretty common. I got a lot of uh, five, four games, a lot of five, four games. Yep. And I mean, yeah. Ultimately, if you, um, I think a lot of ties too. A lot, fair number to, oh, oh, I got, I get a lot of ties. That's just, that's just me. <laughs> but so if you um comparing this GG to the previous GG, I felt like last GG was not killy enough. That like, I, agree. I, I so there was le- there was no strategy where you could score by killing. I mean, you could yeah, really killing was only used to neutralize. It was, it was used form. to deny, but you could never score to, you could never kill to yeah, score. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. I like there being at least one strategy where killing actively gets you points as opposed to yep. the denies points. So that was my one major critique of uh, Gaining Grounds 2. No yep. killing strategy. Yeah, we talked about that a lot on here. And the other one was um, got, I earlier on I had gone and actually checked out. It's like, okay, so this is the number of killing strategy schemes. And it was a very small number of killy schemes. 
So last gaining grounds was not very killy at all. This yep. one, now, this one feels so much more killy because of how non-killy the last one was. <laughs> That's a great point. You know, I heard people talking about that. And some, not a lot of people, but some people are a little negative about how killy it is. Well, you know what? And... Those people are wrong. And um, you know what? Come, come play in Texas. Um... <laughs> well, no, no. So, okay, here, we, we will, uh, I will, so, Breakthrough is not killy. So, okay, Vendetta, that's one killy scheme. Assassinate, that's two killy schemes. Sabotage, nope. Hidden Martyrs, would you consider Hidden Martyrs, a, that's actually an anti-killy scheme. It is. All right, catch and release, not a killy scheme. Spread them out, not a killy scheme. Load them up, not a killy scheme. Unless, you know, corpse markers is the thing you're going with there. Public demonstration, not a killy scheme. Set the trap. Uh, you know, the, I believe the second part of that one is, you know, having a master. But they, the master still needs to be, the master henchman needs to be alive for it. So yeah. you can't actually, you need to soften them up, but it's not killy. Um, in your face. Okay, in your face is very killy for the first part. But the second part is the get your dude in their zone. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So that is three killy schemes. That is it. Yeah. So you've got one killy strategy and three killy schemes. Most of the stuff you're doing, yeah. So are not killing. It's really, points. it's really, yeah. The I think that people are killing models, yeah, for those, but also just denying AP. Yep. Like I think because you're in the same area and you're moving models, you're trying to get them out of areas, you're trying to prevent them from doing things. And sometimes the best way to do that is just to murder things. Oh, yeah, no, the, the, they can't, you know, they can't interact if they're dead. They can't, you know, be on that yeah. marker if they're dead. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot more engagement models. You're um, killing models so they don't stick around. Because with, you know, covert operations, they have to be there at the end of the turn. With, um, uh, blah, 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 what was it? Was I think it's so covert would guard the stash. You need to have the models physically there to, you know, be contesting that stash. There's none of that, you know, hey, I interact with this and then I go wandering off and there's no way you're ever going to deal with that. So, haha, fuck you. It's scoring me points for all the game. So, yeah. it is a more engaged gaining grounds. And, you know, killing will score you more points as gaining grounds than it didn't. But it's going to, there's certain things where it is the denying it there. But a yeah, lot I was going to say, you, you still need to score. Like, killing's okay, but you need to score. Right, but a lot, a lot of players had the things where, hey, they've got their um, interacting shenanigans, where it's like, hey, I'm ways that they can, you know, take an interact action without wait, using AP. Like, hey, I got a bonus action that's going to let me, you know, yeah. tag that marker there or kick this thing. And so being very interact efficient was very, you know advantageous in gaining grounds two gaining grounds three the model has to survive standing they can't go all right i'm gonna come up here tag that marker then run the fuck away they have to you know (laughs) hey i'm gonna come up here and i'm going to you know stand my ground by this marker and so there is there's that so last thing i want to talk about doug is so 55, I think it's 55, right, to pay, to get into the tournament? 55, yes, gets you into the tournament. So anytime that it's a two-day tournament, I'm definitely interested to hear 
what that 55 gets you. So I know it's going to get us five rounds of Malfo. Uh, that also makes you eligible, I think, to play in the other events, right? If you want to yep, do yeah, it's 55 for stuff. one thing. This is the first year I'm running this. And so a lot of times you'll have separate tickets for things. Um, that's a lot to take, you know, for, for year Separate one of this, out. it's a lot to, you know, kind of sort out. And this will then let me kind of see, all right, what is the, um, how does it shake out? I'll be able to parse it out, see what went well, what didn't went well, and move forward. Now, so looking at that, though, how, not how, but what are you looking to do for prize support for that 55 bucks? So, I mean, is, is everybody getting something at the door? How are you, you know, looting out whatever prize support you have? Like, what's that going to look like for this event? All right, so everyone is getting a swag bag. We're in the, I am in the process of assembling what all goes into it. Um, if you, you've been to any of my events before, I, because uh, I, you know, I do 3D design and do 3D printing stuff. I, uh, for like all the LVOs that I run, I, you know, make a little custom, it's like, the LVO ones here, it, yeah, so stuff like that, you know, little custom markers that, you know, you can only get through it there. Um, I'm wor- I've done 3D printed uh, widgets before. Um, uh, nice. I'm hoping to actually have laser cut widgets because uh, uh, we- yeah, Westbrook has a laser cutter. And so we're kind of working together to do that. Um, and I was uh, playing around with some of the, uh, actually earlier today, uh, the resin that I thought was going to be a cool, unique color for the markers this time did not come out the color I wanted it to, and so I don't like it. So I'm not going to be using that, so I've got to change up what color I'm using for the markers, because uh, I've done red, I've done green for LVO. I was hoping to do blue. Well, the blue is, you know, it's this one. You know, that, that's not very blue. It's, it's actually more clear. Yeah, but I'm, I'm getting a different yeah. resident that's blue. Yeah, and, and stuff like that's always cool when you make like custom stuff. Exactly. Um, something else that was cool. I went to a Middle Earth tournament, and I'll I'll show it right here. But that skull pile that the pig's sitting on, they actually gave us like about maybe six of those just in part of the swag bag. So you can just like put them on bases. You can use them as like um, objective markers. So. Anytime you get cool stuff like that, it just it's fun to get at these random events. Yep. So we're getting that. Um, uh, I've got to get the uh, coupon from. Uh, so Mats by Mars is a sponsor. You know, every single mat at the tournament will be is a Mats by Mars tur- uh, mat. Nice. So I've got you know I have twenty Mats by Mars mats now, all third edition lines. Sweet. So that is a lot of mats. It's very heavy to carry around, but it would be heavier <laughs> if it were neoprene. So that's, that's why I'm sure. glad that I have the vinyl ones. Also, vinyl is beer proof. You know, we've learned this that, in LVO. That someone always smells on one is, of the tables. You're not wrong. Yep. You're not wrong. You know, you get your like Stein and you're sitting there drinking and yep. I, someone's I, going to spill a you know at some point during the tournament. Someone's it's usually going to spill me. some it's beer usually, it's usually on one me. of the mats. Because you know you get a little drunky and all of a sudden whoop. Yep, and the, you know the, it just soaks into a neoprene mat, and then you never get that smell out. It smells like <laughs> nasty stale beer forever. Yep, you're not wrong. Um, what about prize support towards the like we're getting towards the end of this? Yep. I mean, is it all, is it all just going to the victors? How are you divvying so, that out? So uh, the way I end up doing it is that yep, yeah, the victors obviously get you know some awesome prize support. 
Uh, I uh, there will be um, some medals for everyone. Uh, I've got to uh, finish the designs for. I like to do actually some really cool. I call them functional trophies. I started doing it. <laughs> well, I started doing this at I mean, LVO. I was gonna say. I mean, you could do. Uh, this is my third place trophy I got in Atlanta. So I don't know if you do stuff like that, but this is totally functional, guys. Well, totally functional. We do have. We will have the biggest hat. Because uh, the you yeah. know I've been because uh, if you look at the uh, little logo I have uh, that I got made up for uh, yeah the, the sorry, gremlin the gremlin with the big old Texas belt buckle and a big hat there and so I was like I've been, the tagline I've been using to promote this is who has the biggest hat so the winner will get the biggest hat nice uh, but as far as uh, functional trophies go so something I started doing at LVO was I've got these uh, deck boxes that I make but I effect I put a medal in the big in the top of it where it's the you know it said you know first place LVO second place uh, etc so I've got those and the way I look at it is that's um, putting your credentials on the table it's like hey boom I've set this deck box down on there and it says First place, Lone Star photo. You're like, oh man, <laughs> it, it, it's lay, it, it's laying up on the table and kind of bragging a little bit. But it's a, a cool way to have that out there, where it's not just sitting on your shelf gather, gathering dust. That goes yeah. into your Malifaux bag. You're taking that from place to place to place and go, oh hey, what's oh first place of the Lone Star photo? Where was that? Why didn't I hear about that? And so it promotes it there as well. You know, well. I, I, have, I haven't won any big events, but I do carry around my Rage Quit Wire swag so people can ask me, uh, you know, what's ARC UW? And then I explain I have a, a semi-mediocre podcast with dozens of listeners. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> yeah, you've got almost as many listeners as you have people who come on as guests. That's true. That's true. But yeah, that's how I expand my audience. I bring on guests. <laughs> there you go. That's how you got me listening there. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I've got that. I've got prize support coming in from Weird. They haven't shipped nice. that yet. They wanted to, you know, make sure that I had, you know, close to final numbers in before they send it to me. Well, Doug, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. Um, definitely check that out. Top Doug Design slash events. Is it events plural? Uh, events plural. Yes. Because there yeah, will be more out. than one one day. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, why not? But, yeah, October but, 7th through 9th. Tickets still available. Uh, got a great hotel deal, and well, it's going to be I, awesome. I love that. I love that you're not going to sell out this year, Doug. So even if you're, like, a latecomer and you're like, you know, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it, but I, I, got, I was able to make it. I mean, I, it sounds like you could pay the day of, which I'll obviously we don't. I'll be set up to do that, yeah. We don't like. We would like you to pay earlier, but if you can show up day of and pay, great. So uh, the one, you know, one of the lessons I've learned with this is that um, next year I'm going to find some way to incentivize early sign up. There you because, go. So this, because uh, I am doing this through my personal business, so I am fronting the money for this. And that now, while the space, you know, these awesome forests, there, I do have to pay Dragon's Lair, you know, a certain amount of money for the usage of the space for the weekend just because it means they're not running any like they're not running their other big events there that they could it's but then they're also you know doing prize support whatever <laughs> every time i buy a buy a beer doug i'm gonna say this one's for doug i appreciate that <laughs> well and you know what 
sing my praises to Rob, but I mean, honestly, Rob at Dragon's Den, dude loves me, he's awesome, and we've got a very, it, it helps as a TO to build a good relationship oh, yeah. with a local store yeah, that can Paramount. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this there, is because they're an awesome store and I've got a good relationship with them. Awesome, man. But I think with that being said, we're gonna roll up on out of here. Getting burned the midnight oil for everybody, but uh, make sure that y'all are flipping cards, flipping tables, and I hope to see y'all in Stone, H Town. See you there.